there was just a ton of research that I got to do in writing the book that convinced me or sort of just reinforced what I'd figured out for myself um, that we're meant to be in a state of gratitude. We really function better physically and mentally if we start in a state of gratitude. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are creating their legacies and contributing to the common good. What exactly is a legacy? It's your fingerprint on the world. It's your way of making a special and unique contribution, big or small. Creating a legacy is one of the main elements of aging well and aging with vibrance and energy. And Zestful Aging Podcast is one of my legacies. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our lovely music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more about her on judybanker.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, as always, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. So let's begin. If you followed me at all or listened to the podcast, you know I'm a big fan of gratitude and uh, how it can change our outlook on life. And it's not about being a Pollyanna, but it's more about making a choice to recognize what is good and um, where we want to shine the light of our attention on. So today we have a super speaker and she is going to talk about gratitude and thanks and all of the science involved in that. And I'm delighted to have her. Nancy Coe is a speaker and author of the Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. She's also a podcaster whose work covers the year, the years between being hip and breaking one at midlifemixtape.com. And sh- her podcast is Midlife Mixtape Podcast, which was included in the Wall Street Journal's 2019 lists of eight podcasts for anyone nervously facing retirement. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me on, Nicole. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to speak with you because um, it just, uh, I loved your book. Um, It was so funny and so... I I just was, I think, so helpful, so clear, and also, I think, very personal, I would say. Would you? I guess it was. You know, it's it's funny. There were two moments where, you know, when you get your book, the review copy has the uh, the categorization that the publisher has submitted with your ISBN number to the Library of Congress. And I was like, wow, memoir and self-help? Is that what I wrote? I didn't even realize it. I just was telling this story that made sense for me to tell, but I guess I see why that fits. 
That's so. that's funny. So the somebody else's perception of what this book was about, exactly. and, and not your intention. So can we start with how uh, a woman like yourself, a businesswoman, uh, decides that she is going to write fifty letters of uh, appreciation? How does this? How does this get? get started? Sure. Well, the year, it was the year of our Lord 2015. I was <laughs> coming to the end of 2015. <laughs> yeah. And you're right, I have worked, I have worked in, in business, you know, got, that's what my degrees are in. And I've worked in uh, international business primarily for, uh, for the first 17 years of my career, but I was barreling into 40 and talk about zestful aging. I was like, Oh, my God, I'm getting old. Now I look back and I think, Oh, such a baby. But um, at the <laughs> look time, at that skin so smooth. <laughs> oh my gosh, she didn't even have the 11s on her forehead yet. Um, but I had I really had always loved writing. And I thought that's I need to add something more creative to what I'm doing. I liked the business job, but I wanted something more creative. So I actually started writing uh, around my 40th birthday. And so that had become a really uh, integrated part of my life. I've had essays and work published in a number of outlets. I had actually written a couple of books that hadn't seen the light of day with a publisher. But um, I had it, it really was, again, coming up to that the, the the birthday that ends with a zero tends to make you a little introspective, right? So I was at that point coming up to 50. And I thought I wanted to acknowledge all the ways I'd been helped up to that point in my life, because things were going really well. I had I've been married to my husband at that point, it was 24 years, our two daughters were doing well, and we're healthy, my parents were still around. And I think by the time you get to age 50, you recognize that that's not a given, right? You I have mm. either suffered loss yourself, or you've seen your friends go through hard things. And it seemed appropriate to me to t stop and just kind of take stock of all the ways, all the ways I'd been helped to get to that point, because I, I recognized that it wasn't just my doing, right? I'd had people who really had stepped in in important moments along the way to, to help me get to that point. So that was my plan. I was just going to do um, one thank you letter every week for that calendar year of my 50th birthday. And what happened, and I talk about this in the book, is that the year went as they say in England, the year went pear-shaped very quickly. It was, uh, I had um, a couple of really hard things happen. And I realized that I'd gone from that weekly letter being like, yay, everything's great to, oh my gosh, I need to sit down and write a thank you letter right now because I know that it will make me feel better. It will help me reset. It will help me refocus. Mm -hmm. And it became a very powerful coping mechanism during a challenging year. So when I was talking to my publisher about this book, I said, I want to understand. I my goal was to give people, first of all, just an action plan for how to do this. Because I think when it comes to the idea of writing, I'm it comes pretty easily to me because I'm a writer. But for a lot of people, that feels overwhelming overwhelming to think, oh my gosh, I have to sit down and write letters. So I wanted it to be very much like, here's how you can make that, break it down into little steps and make it manageable. But I also wanted to understand the science of how it worked on me because I knew that it had worked. I knew that every time I wrote a letter, I would have this sense of <sighs> relief, you know, this sense of, okay, everything's going to be all right. This person, you know, everything may be terrible when I leave my when I leave my writing desk. But right now I'm focused on the fact that I have a friend who 
drops food off for me when I'm sick or picks up my kids for me when I can't do that or, you know, has given me really good advice that I still follow. And it was this reminder that I had people in my life, past and present, who cared enough about me to help me. Can and, you talk more about that? You have to sure. forgive me. I'm a psychotherapist. Yep. This is what we do. Yeah. Um, but what you said you felt relief and kind of a, ha, ah, exhale, I have help. Talk about, if you could, more like the feeling of writing this letter. Can you walk us through like the experience of it? Sure. And what I what I what I know now is that I was experiencing a textbook case of positive recall bias. And so what yeah. the psychologists say is, or what the researchers say is, the neurons that fire together wire uh-huh. together, which I'm sure you know. Uh-huh. Um, and basically, it just means if you reinforce the tendency in yourself to look for good things around you, you're you get better at doing that. Your brain literally re- rewires itself to make it more efficient and more likely to to look for those good things around you. So the way it worked for me is this. I wrote my letters once a week. And as I say in the book, there are no thank you note police. If you want to do it once a month, (laughs) if you want to do it every day, whatever you want to do works. But for me, that meant I had a whole week to think about the person who I was going to write to in the coming week. And, you know, just I'll give you the example, since it was her birthday yesterday, I'll talk about my friend Pam, who was my graduate school roommate. And I would spend the whole week, I, I love to hike. I live in Oakland. I go hiking in the Oakland Hills a lot. So a lot of times it was when I was hiking, I would think, what are the ways that my life having crossed the paths with Pam's life has made my life better? Okay, well, she was a really great roommate for me in graduate school. She taught me some really good recipes that I still use. And she had a car and I didn't, and she let me use the car whenever I wanted to. And we were in, you know, East Jabip, Arizona going to grad school. So that made that made a difference. And she's just somebody who thinks like I think. So sometimes when I gut check with Pam, it's reassuring because I think I'm not crazy. She gets like she's picking up exactly what I'm picking up in a given scenario. And so all week long, I would marinate in those kinds of thoughts and memories and these positive perceptions of this person in my life. And all without ever putting pen to paper, I was already rewiring my brain with positive recall bias. And so to sit down and write it always felt really good because I was kind of teasing out what are the things that really mattered? What were the specifics? And I say this in the book, you know, it's good to get really specific because it's, you know, you can say, oh, she was nice to me. Well, mm-hmm. sure. But if you say you always let me use your car, you know, that that's a lot more meaningful. That's that is like a specific thing about this friendship that isn't shared with all my other friendships. So you know, they, I was already doing the work just in the thinking part. And then I would sit down and do the writing part. And I would experience something that I now know is called elevation, where your chest fills with this like sensation of warmth. And my shoulders would go down a little bit. And you know, I have to wear a night guard because I grind my teeth now and that my jaw would unclench a little bit. And there's so much research that shows the direct correlation between a state of gratitude and improved health outcomes. So, you know, people who express gratitude tend to sleep better at night. They tend to have lower blood pressure. They have even found that there's a correlation with improved asthma control. So uh, there was just a ton of research that I got to do in writing the book that convinced me or sort of just reinforced what I'd figured out for myself um, that 
we're meant to be in a state of gratitude. We really function better physically and mentally if we start in a state of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And would you call uh, doing the thank you letters, would you call that a gratitude practice? For sure. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, you know, there. I know there's lots of them out there. Uh, the 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 identify and one of the ones that I use all the time still is just okay. Stop. Think of three things you're grateful for right now. Mm-hmm. And you and I are talking during a pandemic, so uh, you can't always come up with them as quickly mm-hmm. as you could have pre pre February. But um, you know, I think it's also more important than ever to have some kind of gratitude practice to get through this really challenging time. And whether that's looks like a letter for you or a journal or whatever it is, I really um, would encourage people who aren't doing something regularly to consider making it part of their day because the science is there, it really will help. So I know about um, just following you, Nancy, that you um, are very sensitive to social justice issues. And how do we... How do we walk this line of being grateful and appalled at the same time? I mean, how that's so tricky. Wow, that's such a cool question. I think the trick is to be grateful for the good things in your life. You don't have to apologize for those, but to also consider and reflect on how can you use the resources you have to make sure that people who don't have those resources don't don't have that kind of support have an improved situation whether that means you can make donations to organizations that will help um, people who lack the advantages that you have uh, or you know if you've got the financial resources to do that whether that means lending your voice whether that means showing up at a protest in a socially distanced masked way <laughs> um, you know there's lots and and maybe all it means is getting educated, even just taking those first steps towards reading, towards sitting in on a, I've been sitting in on a bunch of webinars in the past couple of weeks um, about topics like white immunity, unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are, we all have a lot to learn. Everybody who's listening has something to learn when it comes to how we improve outcomes for more people in our country. There's so much ground to be gained. So I don't think you shouldn't feel guilty about the things that you're grateful for. I don't think you should feel guilty that you have a roof over your head or food Mm -hmm. in your stomach. But I think you could start there and then move to, okay, given that I do have that, how can I be helpful to others? Mm -hmm. And, And that's informed a little bit by my faith too. I'm a practicing Christian. I'm a lefty liberal Episcopalian here in the Oakland in, in Oakland, California. But I, I honestly think that um, faith is a part of it too. That's what I feel called to do. Like love thy neighbor, the man that's, that's, it's not that complicated. That's all mm-hmm. it has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about working with clients who say, you know, who am I to feel bad? Who am I to complain? I have so much. And the idea of like, how can you acknowledge that, appreciate it, be grateful for it, and also feel whatever you feel? Oh, okay. So maybe I misinterpreted the no, question. No, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't. I'm going on an offshoot right now. <laughs> no, but it's an important one too. I get that. I get that too. Look, I, I mean, um, 
we we got some sad news yesterday that my daughter, who's a great student and as studies at UCLA, they've just that she doesn't have housing for next year. They've had mm. to reduce housing density on campus. So my poor child, who has every benefit and every advantage mm-hmm. of having parents who can pay for her college education and was in a great school, still feels awful today. And I feel awful on her behalf because this was not the college experience she signed up for it's not and mm-hmm. and i get like i i i am i think well so many people have it so much worse we're healthy all mm-hmm. this stuff and yet right. i can i think it's a still okay to feel completely disappointed and sad that our kids college experience has been so disrupted yes. so i i think as i said to her last night as we were talking through this both things can be true. We can know that we're that other people are, you know, that we are fortunate compared to other people, and we can be motivated to to move from that. But we can also feel lousy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's sort of the what I was, you know, started with is this idea of like can both sides be true, how important it is to be, you know, have a gratitude practice and also feel crummy sometimes, also feel enraged, also feel allowed to not feel grateful. (laughs) Well, you know, and I don't know if this part of the book um, spoke to you at all, but um, one of the things that I wanted to make sure as I wrote this was that my letter writing project wasn't just something that worked for me. You know, I wanted to make sure that this was something that really would fit for other people. And so mm-hmm. I asked the questions, you know, I talked to a lot of positive psychologists and research in the book, and I asked, you know, are there people for whom gratitude doesn't work? Like writing a letter isn't going to make them happier, because I want to acknowledge that if it's if that's true. And my friend, uh, Dr. Christine Carter, who is a senior fellow at the Greater Good uh, greater good. Why am I saying greater good place? That's my bookstore in Oakland that I go to. Great good place for books. Shout out to them. But this is the greater, the greater <laughs> good Berkeley. science center at Berkeley, right? Uh-huh. And she said it's not that there are people for whom gratitude doesn't work. It's that there are people who have shut down emotions completely because they don't want to feel the negative emotion. They don't want to feel sad, mm-hmm. disappointment, mm-hmm. loss, grief. So they block. So they just distract themselves. We've all got the you know the little device in our pockets that we that's really good at making sure you never feel bad because all, you can just open it up and start scrolling Instagram instead of feeling lousy. And she said the problem is you can't selectively numb emotions. If you don't allow yourself to feel lousy, you also can't feel joy or gratitude or you know or, or excitement. And so you know, this idea of letting the negative emotions wash through you mm-hmm. and move through you, it's really important. And there are times in writing the thank you letters that I think you may feel badly. I mean, that certainly was the case for me. There were people I wrote to and we, you know, we maybe we're going to talk about this later, some of the letters I didn't send. And mm-hmm. in some cases, it was because I didn't want to be in touch with that person. But in some cases, it's because the person was no longer alive. And that was a sometimes that was a hard letter to write because you could it, it was reminding myself of what I had lost. But at the same time, it was really joyful to think of all the ways that the what that person, the grandparent or the the you know the uncle, whoever you know, the the lessons they left with you that live on through you. So, um, and there can be times where you write a letter and 
Maybe you think, wow, this person has done so many great things for me. Have I been as nice to them as I should have? Oh, Maybe my. not. Uh-huh. So there can be moments where you have, you know, this this process that I do believe will make you happier over the long haul. There are times where they may you may have different kinds of emotions. Um, it's much more complicated, yeah. I think, than being a cheerleader and like, yay, yay, everything's great. Um, because that's not accurate. Right, That's not and real in, life. And you mentioned the word Pollyanna is somewhere in the introduction, and I kind of smiled because that is not who I am. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm. I was as surprised as anybody to find out I was writing a self help book because I'm sort of <laughs> suspicious of them. I'm a very. I just. I. I actually credit it to being a Gen Xer. I think Gen X is tends to be very down to earth. We didn't have a lot of. Um, you know, we we were not these this starry eyed generation that felt that everything was going to fall into place for us because that's not been our generational history. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I consider myself very pragmatic. Um, but I just want to assure people that I didn't go into this like, oh, I just love saying thank you to everybody. I'm so happy all the time. That was not yep. my mindset going into it, and it still worked. So there you go. I think that's so important. Hello, Zesties. I want to tell you about one of my all-time favorite exercise and stress reduction tools, which I am really relying on during this quarantine, but I've sung its praises for years. The benefits are seemingly endless. Uh, it's great for toning and strengthening muscles. It improves your lymph system, your metabolism. It helps with joint pain and balance, and it's even used by NASA astronauts because it's such an efficient way to exercise. And if you're older or you're worried about your balance, you can order a stabilizer bar to hang on to. I'm talking about my NEDAC Rebounder mini trampoline. I put on my music and I have my own dance party. Because for me, exercise needs to be fun and invigorating. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. Now is not the time for the philosophy of no pain, no gain, because we're in enough pain. This is a way to feel good and energized and have fun. It really does help mood as well. And I like that NEDAC is made in the USA and it is really solid. I've had mine for 15 years and it's still in great shape. The NEDAC Rebounder will help us get through this quarantine in better shape mentally and physically. And there's also a model that folds up if space is an issue. One of my clients puts it on her driveway and uses it while she's watching her kids during the quarantine. Anyway, I can't recommend NEDAC Rebounders enough. They are a worthwhile investment in your health and overwhelm overall well-being, especially now. If you are interested in a mini trampoline, please don't buy a cheap one. Those can be actually dangerous, and it is really worth uh, investing in a good quality one. And right now, if you use the coupon code just for Zestful Aging listeners, the code is Zestful, they are going to include a free cover for you. So go to NEDAC.com. It's N-E-E-D-A-K. 
zestfulaging.com. And if you have any questions, you can contact me at zestfulaging.com. I really am their biggest fan. I just saw a little interview um, of Simon uh, Sinek. I hope that's the way you pronounce his, his name. And he talked about the difference between positivity and optimism. Have you seen that? or, or I haven't, but about? I... I'd love to. It's very interesting. And he talks about it's positivity isn't it, you know, you're just sort of trying to put a filter on things where optimism is really, I think, being more realistic and having faith that even though this is hard, it's, you know, it's painful, uh, it's excruciating, I still see a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get there, but I do believe there's a light. And that's different than sort of blanketing, uh, you know, or trying to blanket your existence with rainbows and unicorns, right? right? It's a much, uh, it's, uh, it's a very different kind of orientation. And that's what I, I loved about your book, that it wasn't just, you know, let's let's be happy, everybody. Life is good and, you know, find the beauty. In fact, at the end, um, I really love the part about, you know, uh, facing some of the uh, relationships that were problematic. Thank you for teaching me not to uh, be with someone like you again. Right. I mean, that's, a, you know, that's, the I know lesson. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. But like, I really love that. Like, yes, it was not good. It was, and I love the way you talk about mutuality, like figuring out like, wait, this woman is really fun. She's exciting. But wait a minute, it's not an equal give and take in terms of care and energy and wow, I'm just starting to realize that, but still shining that light on what can I take from it is very different. And I just thought that was incredibly valuable. Well, I think all of us have learned lessons from negative example, not just positive examples, right? So that's what that part of the book was when I wrote to, and these were the letters that I didn't send. I wrote to some ex-boyfriends and I wrote to former friends and I know where they are in some cases, but I don't really want to open that can of worms. And that's not why I wrote any of the letters, you know, it wasn't in it wasn't to create any kind of obligation of the on the other person's part. It was really to reflect about who I am, and how I got here. And I did I and these were not, by the way, the first 20 letters were the easy like to people I love that I can't Mm -hmm. that I'm so excited to tell them how much they mean to me. It wasn't until I got further on in the process, probably around letter 30, that I thought, oh, there's people I'd like to thank who I don't want to be in touch with. And I I credit that to my positive recall bias having gotten better, you know, like I was able to think about it in a much more nuanced way. And so the, the, the example you're bringing up, this was a friend who I, you know, was very close to at one point in my life. And it took a long time for me to figure out that it was very one sided that she was a taker, she was somebody who, Mm -hmm. you know, was always, always the, the taker, and I was always the giver in that relationship. And I finally figured it out. I was about 22 or 23. And we had a huge fight on a street corner. <laughs> oh, it was ugly. But, uh, you know, I walked away from that thinking, I don't have enough time to spend with the people who actually like me. Why would I waste one second on somebody who doesn't? And I was 23 years old. I'm 54 now. I still think about that lesson a lot. 
And it's been helpful to me at various times in my life to kind of prioritize where I'm spending my time and energy. So I'm grateful to her because I, I'm maybe I would have, I mean, I suppose I would have learned that lesson at some point along the way, but it was good to learn that at 23. That was a helpful thing. So I'm grateful to her for that. I, you know, there were good parts of that friendship mm-hmm. and that, that was the best part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would, and would be helpful. And, and you were saying, I think I would have learned that eventually. And I think in our 50s, there's this uh, very clear realization that there's probably more life behind us than in front of us. And we just don't have the time or energy to waste it. Well, and also the nice thing about doing it at that age is that we've had the benefit of long-term perspective. So I didn't know when I was 23 how useful that little nugget of information was going to be over the years. But I could look back at age 50 and say, oh, I used it then. I used it with that person. Oh, I thought about it that time. And so you can really look back and see what the longer term impact has been of a relationship or a piece of advice or a lesson. And and that's a cool time to be, you know, it's it's kind of a nice time to take stock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, you talk about the science about elevation and mood and, and happiness and all of this. And I'm wondering for the people who were not included in the 50 letters, um, did did you get any feedback that, gee, you know, Nancy, you seem like, you know, what'd you do to your hair kind of thing? You know, like, you look, you seem great, you seem happy, you seem better. Were, did people notice that there was a shift as you were practicing your positive recall that bias? <laughs> you know, it's funny you should ask that. So uh, I have here in Oakland, I have a pretty big backyard considering we live in the city and I have a fire pit and I have a bunch of chairs. And so we've been on shelter in place for three and a half months now. And I am climbing the walls. I'm a very gregarious person. I want to see my girlfriend. So we have been doing a very safe, socially distanced little campfire in my backyard every once in a while. And I had, so I had about six girlfriends over last Friday night. We were sitting around the fire pit. Everybody brought their own. It was BYOB, BYO, bring your own food. (laughs) Everything. Bring bring your own mask. Literally two people brought their own chairs. I'm like, whatever you need to do to feel comfortable, we will all sit outside far apart from each other. But the conversation took kind of a dark turn at some point because we're all, everybody's facing hard things right now, whatever variety that, you know, that looks like. And we were talking and talking about it. And all the, and I just said, okay, can somebody talk about something well, you know, that's going well. And one of my friends turned to me and said, I knew you were going to say that right then. Ah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I think I've become that person. But um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I can't say that aside from that little thing, which made me laugh. Um, I don't know that people noticed it. I noticed it in myself when I went on book tour. So the book came out in December and that was the first time. And so I, I was lucky. I had three months where I actually got to go meet readers and travel around a little bit. And I was in Rochester, New York, doing a reading, oh, my hometown. Yay. Where where did you do your reading? So there's a really great music venue there called Anthology, which is a really fun club when you can go back to nightclubs. I recommend everybody goes. It uh, happens uh. to be owned by my childhood next door neighbor. Oh my god! And um, I reached out to him and said, you know, let's let's do this. So it was actually really great. We had. I don't know, 50, 60 people at this nightclub for a book reading and uh, and signing. So it was great. Um, 
But that was the first time that people said, do you feel happier? And I was like, you know what I do? I hadn't, again, I'm not not very (laughs) self-reflective, but I do, I do know that um, it's that, that, that pause that let me take a minute here and figure out what's okay. What's going to, what, what is actually working right now? What's good. That's pretty baked into me now. And that's been extremely helpful during a pandemic. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard of Rick Hansen because you're out there, you're hanging with the the folks at at Berkeley and Great. Hanging with the happy folks at Berkeley. Hanging, (laughs) hanging. And I love the way he talks about letting it seep in. Mm -hmm. That when you're in this moment of thanks to just let your cells just, you use the word marinate, and that's one of my favorite words for this, is just like, let your whole being just saturate in that moment of of gratitude. I'm going to go take my kid fly fishing after we finish today. And it's beautiful out. And you know what New York State right. weather is. It's, you know, it's like eight months of the year. It's sleeting. Um, so this is going to, you know, and he's excited. And it's a beautiful day. We're going to take our dogs. It's going to be lovely. And I just know that that's something that I'm going to really want to soak in to kind of counterbalance you know, the the news and, the, you know, the election stuff and all of that. What what are your thoughts about that kind of physical soaking in kind of process? Well, in the book, I talk about how really the whole Thank You Project comes down to three simple steps, see, say, and savor. And the scene we've talked about, that's just that positive recall bias and looking around and noticing what's good. The saying is writing it down in a letter. And for people who don't want to do that, maybe you write it in a gratitude journal or whatever, you know, but, but expressing it somehow. And the savor part, I think, is what relates to what you're talking about. So my one rule that I'm throughout this book, I'm like, you do you, buddy. Like, it's your thank you project, except for one thing. If you write a thank you letter, I demand you keep your own copy of it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is uh, because at the end, you will have a stack of letters that tell that tell the story of all the ways you've been supported over the years. And so in my case, I I typed my letters into a Word document. My handwriting is awful. So do not let that be a, a gating factor for you. Um, but mine was just a Word document. And at the end, I printed off the 50 pages. I took it to a copy shop and had them bind it for me. And that sits on my nightstand. And that was four years ago that I was writing these letters. And I still flip through it all the time. That's different. And I think that brings so much additional salience and power yep. to this. Yeah, Right? Exactly. I mean, we talk about Oprah, right? She has gratitude journals, but I love your idea of here's the evidence. Here's the heavy, hefty evidence of what's been good in my life. Right. And it's, it's a comfort. It's, I mean, it really is just, it would put a, it'll put a smile on your face to go back and say, oh, I forgot I wrote that to my, you know, to my cousin who's been so great to me or, you know, it just, and, and actually, you know, and I mentioned this in the book that in writing the book, I got to the end and I was like, oh, I'm so ashamed. Why did I stop writing the letters? You know, I was like, I got to number 50. Okay, I'm done with that project. Off I go. And in writing the book, I was like, you dummy, why did you 
give that up. So I have restarted and I don't do it on a weekly basis. Um, I do it, you know, kind of as the spirit moves me, but I can always tell when it's time to write another one. It's when my shoulders are going back up to my ears and when I'm starting to feel really pessimistic. And I realized the other day I'd gotten to 25 in my new set of letters. That's another word document is son of thank you letters. And, um, and I, and I went back in and I started looking over the letters I'd written in that set. And it, it worked the same way. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I wrote a letter to my hairdresser. And I oh, wrote a letter yeah. to my friend who's really socially active. And she always gets me. She she makes cocktails to bring to protests. And, you know, she's <laughs> she makes it so fun that I am more involved than I might be otherwise. Because she just is organized and motivating. And anyway, so now I've got this kind of volume two that I can flip through. Mm-hmm. So I do think that idea of salience, the, the lasting... Mm-hmm the lasting power, the, you know, soaking, uh, soaking all this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't appear to have an end date, because um, it still works on me four years later. Well, gratitude has become your medicine. It in so many ways. Yeah. And and that was my one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Carter at the Greater Good Science Center. She said, if you could put gratitude in a pill, you'd be very wealthy. Oh, right, right. Right, right. So, um, we're just to wrap up here. I know people all around the world are listening and and I'm sure resonating with this because they've had an experience perhaps of being thanked or thanking someone to just to get a taste of how powerful this is. So for for people who are newbies at this, what would be the first teeny little step to introduce them to this whole thank you? Or I'm going to call it like an orientation, life right. orientation. So my recommendation is you jot down a list of people to whom you are grateful, people who have helped or shaped or inspired you, people who, you know, your life would look different if you didn't know them. Just make that list. And already when you're doing that, you've got that list of, you know, team you, all these people <laughs> who have worked together to help you. And then if you want to take it a step further pick a name off that list and just think about that person. Think deeply about the specific ways that that person has helped you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, step after that, write it down in a letter. But I'm just saying, for, make your list and pick a person to have that, to allow yourself to kind of think over what the things are that you're grateful. And you're already doing the heavy lifting of reinforcing your positive recall bias, reminding yourself that you've got these connections, the support, resetting, calming your parasympathetic nervous system. It, it really does not take a lot to get started with this. And You're changing your brain mm-hmm. just from starting this process. That's a powerful, uh, you know, that's a powerful activity that we could reroute our brain. You can put your list. I, would, I was going to say, you put your list in your wallet for when you're running errands and standing in line, but you're probably not doing that. So that's just- <laughs> right. That's right. You got to get out, get in, get out. Right. Right. That is beautiful. Where can people find out more about you? You can go to my website, mm-hmm. davisco.com. So D-A-V-I-S-K-H-O.com. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can get to the, you'll see everything about the book. You can also get to the Midlife Mixtape blog and Midlife Mixtape podcast. And the podcast is available wherever you listen to. Yes, and it's a great podcast. I highly recommend it. I have fun with it. 
I, I don't know when I'm ever going to give it up. I just I just love talking to people about the years between being hip and breaking one and yeah. finding out what wisdom they have. So it's fun. That's that's really fun. And you bring so much of yourself to it with your love for music. And uh, it's I highly recommend it. So uh, I am very grateful for you, Nancy. I really appreciate the work you've done, put into this, and also to share it with us. It's so powerful, and I think it's so important now because, as we know, people are not doing well, and we really need some guidance and um, feeling better. Yeah, well, I, I hope that this will give you a roadmap for, you know, give readers and listeners a roadmap for doing that. And I love to hear from readers that when they tell me that it's worked, and I get a lot of those, I get a lot of um, I, I, the reader response, to the book has been amazing. I really feel lucky to be have been able to share this little thing that I started without any intention of ever writing a book about it. I just wanted to tell my parents and my siblings and my friends, thank you for you know everything you've done for me, and it's it's really made a fundamental uh, a fundamental and lasting change for me. I love this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Have fun fly fishing. Oh, uh, we will. I don't know. Do you say like? Do you even want to catch stuff, or do you just want to stand there and enjoy uh, it's the weather? All, <laughs> I am an observer of this uh, situation, but as you probably know, because you're an upstate New Yorker, there's a lot of beautiful bodies of water oh, here, yep. and the fish are in beautiful places. Right. So you know, if you want to do a little meditation That's and just sit and watch, it is. It's it's. It's a lovely way to spend some time, um, and uh, I really, uh, I do try to soak it in. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful sport. Um, I'm not too in, and it's all catch and release. Right. So you know, oh, cool. Well, have fun. Thanks so much. All right. And, talk to uh, you later. We'll be in touch. Great, Thanks, Nancy. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. 
We all need help with our anxiety. So being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. Mm -hmm.